Hi, Julie. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I am fine. How are you is the more important question. We have not talked to you since your surgery. How are you doing? So, uh, first of all, uh, just want to thank you for all of your support throughout this. And, um, I really rely on you so much emotionally and just knowing that you're in my corner means the world to me, Lisa. And I also want to thank all of our listeners. I was, we were blown away by the response to our podcast a couple episodes ago, where I shared what had happened that led to my ACL injury and, uh, I was really just blown away by the responses of our listeners. Everyone is so caring. And, you know, I know we've been doing this podcast thing for a long time, but I don't know, Lisa, I know we always continue to be surprised by the number of people who listen to us listen. <laughs> week to week. And I, I'm just so grateful. The running community and our friends are unbelievably caring empathetic people. And so many people reached out who shared their stories and, and, or just their empathy, their sympathy. And I just appreciate knowing how many people understand what this means. And also how many people are out there encouraging and wishing me well, it, it gives me strength. And I know this is just a blip in a continuum as we've talked about, but certainly knowing how many people are in my corner help. So that being said, thank you. Thank you. I am doing okay. I'm, I'm not doing great um, because this is hard, but I'm doing as well as can be expected. My surgery was last Monday, December 12th. And today is December 22nd. And so I'm really happy that I'm 10 days out. I can report that since my surgery, which was tough, um, but kind of the easiest part, because look, when you have surgery, you go in and they put you to sleep. Um, I will tell one funny story that, uh, my doctor, Dr. Sanders, who's wonderful. He met me in the surgery room. And usually when you enter a, a room for surgery, you're asleep, but for some reason they didn't anesthetize me until I was in the room. And it was so fascinating because I had a chance to really look around and talk to folks. So I talked to my nurse, I talked to the anesthesiologist and I was talking to Dr. Sanders as they were preparing my ligament, because I've mentioned before I have a cadaver. So I see this cooler on the other side of the room and my, I am so clear headed at that moment. I thought, Oh, that must be my ligament in the cooler. And there was like a representative there because it must've been someone from the company. I think he's from, they're from Naples, Florida that, that houses these things. I mean, it's a fascinating industry. And did they tell you anything about where the, where like, no. the, the cadaver? I did the, not ask. Cause you know, it's, I'm going it's funny, you know, our, our, one of our runners, our past podcast guest, Rabbi Lori Rice, actually it asked me at one point, you know, can you ask for a cadaver from somebody like, you know, an Olympian, a past, you know, like somebody really fast runner, like, can you choose kind of like, you know, can you choose who, who it comes from? I thought that's a really good question. I mean, she was joking, but I thought that's a good question. Well, it's funny because uh, Rabbi Lori mentioned that I did ask in, in my appointment when this news was revealed to me that I would have to have the surgery and use a cadaver. I did ask right away. Can we, can we get me an athlete? But right. realistically, Some good genes would, in the cadaver. Exactly. I would assume whomever it is, it, it's someone kind who decided to donate their, their organs. So whoever it is, 
may their memory be a blessing. And thank you so much for donating your ligament to me. So I was in the room and as um, they're preparing everything, first of all, the anesthesiologist says to me, Hey, listen, I had this surgery two years ago. I was playing basketball. You'll be fine. Which made me laugh. Then another point, uh, the nurse is talking to me. She was lovely. And she was telling me about her best friend who just, I'm sorry, her sister who just registered for the New York marathon and is looking for some coaching. Honest to God, I'm lying there. You're drumming up business on the, on the operating yes. team. And I, I was kind of thinking, is she just saying this to make conversation? Cause that's a, a great caretaker is going to do that. You know, that's what makes our healthcare heroes so wonderful is bedside manner is so important. And she was probably just making conversation with me, but no, it was, it was earnest. It was what kind of coaching do you do? And my sister needs some coaching for the New York marathon. So there I am lying on the gurney. Yeah, let me give you our card. About run farther and faster, which was cracking me up. And then across the room with his back to her is Dr. Sanders yelling as he's probably preparing something. Yeah, she's famous. Ask her about her podcast. It was so funny and so comforting because, and then I, of course, retorted, no, I'm not. And I was thinking, just focus on your work, but don't get distracted. It it was so comforting, honestly, Uh, for some people, they would find this weird, but for me to be able to see up close where this was happening, what the room looked like, who were the people working on me? I went, I, I went to sleep comforted and I woke up, I felt okay. I don't remember anything until about four in the afternoon when I was home on my couch on the ice machine. And I had this inexplicable nerve pain in my foot that clearly something happened where, you know, this is very common in knee surgery. Your knee doesn't hurt because you've got a nerve block for going for the first 24 or 48 hours, but your foot can hurt. And my foot was killing me. And I was also still um, on anesthesia. And um, some people throw up from anesthesia. I cry. I've always been that person and it's not a normal tears. It's so weird. This first happened when I had my wisdom teeth pulled when I was 16, I cry and it's like guttural sobs. And, um, (laughs) Darren didn't know what to do with me. My kids weren't home from school yet. uh, Or Ella wasn't home from practice yet. Noah wasn't home from college yet. So it was just Darren and me sitting there. And I was like, but I couldn't explain it. It wasn't like I was crying about my surgery was just the reaction of the anesthesia. So one of my girlfriends came by to bring over a meal, which was so kind of her. And little did she know she wasn't just dropping it off because Darren saw her at the door and he yells, come in, come in. So she sits on my floor and I just said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I, between sobs, I was like, I just am crying and I just let it out. I swear it was so cathartic. And maybe that's what I needed to do is just cry. And, um, since then I've, I've actually emotionally been a lot better than I thought I would. I think I'm busier than I thought I would be. I spend a lot of time on an ice machine and I spend a lot of time doing PT. I do PT on my own twice a day. I'm going to PT twice a week at ProAction Physical Therapy. They're taking great care of me. Um, when I go to PT, I feel very encouraged. They, it's so important for anyone who's healing from a from an injury to make sure that you have a PT that you connect with, not just with respect to your treatment, but also emotionally, because you're spending a lot of time with that PT. And if you can be with someone who you enjoy being with, that's very important along with what they're doing to treat you. So I'm of course being rehabbed by Rachel Miller 
and Josh over at ProAction. And I'm so comfortable with both of them and particularly Rachel's a dear friend of ours. So being able to see her twice a week is a treat for me, not just something I dread because it's PT. Um, in addition to that, I'm spending a lot of time really trying to, um, meditating is not the right word. I don't meditate. I know it's good for people. I can't, but I spend a lot of time just really trying to relax and just stay calm and rest and surround myself with positive things. So even uh, the books I'm reading, uh, the, the television I'm consuming, uh, I'm trying to stay off social media as much as possible. Um, just trying to make sure that I am surrounded by positive things and feeding my brain with positive things, because I really think that makes a difference in one's healing. And lastly, I'm really trying to sleep. And that has been a huge problem for me. Um, for those who don't know, when you get uh, ACL surgery, you're given a brace. The brace is very stiff and it's an initial brace that doesn't allow you to bend your knees. That's what I've had. I had for the first week, you also sleep in that brace and sleeping in the brace for me is very hard for most people. It's basically, it feels like being in a straight jacket because you can't move your leg. You're propped a little bit on a pillow and you're lying on your back. Uh, I've gotten a bit more used to it. I learned how to sleep on my side a little bit. I won't bore you with the details, but I'm able to get to sleep for about four or five hour chunks. And then I get a nice machine on me and then I sleep for a little more. So that's been my routine. It's not that different from when we had babies, Lisa, and you would go to sleep for four hours, wake up, sleep again. And that's kind of what's happening um, to me right now. And I went to my follow-up last week with Dr. Sanders. I'm sorry, this week, seven days after he was so thrilled with what he saw. He was really impressed with my quad strength already, which is very encouraging to me. And he gave me a new brace that's supposed to be life-changing. And unfortunately I hate it. It's the brace that you see most people have who've had ACL surgery. It's got like hinges on the side and you can adjust, um, the degrees to what degree the PT kind of decides how many degrees you're allowed to bend it in the brace, but I don't have enough padding on my legs. And it's at least right now, um, cutting into the sensitive parts of my legs that have been bruised from the surgery, the nerve pain's gone, but I have a lot of bruising and pain, not around my knee, but all of the residual pain from this trauma on my leg and the brace just is really hurting me. So I'm trying to just push through this because I know that will go away. This is temporary. I'm only 10 days out. And in the meantime, I'm focused on the fact that I have a little bit more freedom in this brace to go places because I can bend my knees slightly and sit in a chair a little better. And so last night I went to Ella's um, basketball game and watched her cheer. And it was really nice to get out and be among people and feel human and sit in a gym and, and do a normal mom thing. And it felt really great. And uh, hopefully by next week or the week after I'll be off my crutches and just on the brace. So that's my um, long story. Thanks for asking. No, it's good to hear what, if, you know, if somebody's listening to this and in the future and they're getting ready to have surgery, um, what have you found? What was most helpful to have in the house or to be set up for, for when you got home, you mentioned, you know, have the ice machine, but like what, you know, and, and, you know, in terms of sleeping or in terms of getting around the house or, you know, maneuvering the things that you didn't realize you wouldn't be able to do as easily, like what's, what's been helpful for you? That's a great question. Okay. So first of all, it's hard to shower initially. Um, it's actually still hard to shower because you, you aren't supposed to have any weight on your leg with the brace 
off. And obviously after the first week, you shower without your brace. So the first week I showered with a big bag over my brace and left the brace on. But since I've been given this new brace with the metal, I take it off and I get into the shower and, and you have to either sit or I kind of um, hold on to something and stand on one leg and it's, it's hard. So this sounds so vain. So please forgive me, but it's just really worked for me. I, um, once a week have like an old lady have been going to, um, the, the gal that cuts my hair. She's wonderful. And she's been washing my hair for me and drying it. That sounds so dumb, but it's not if you're vain a woman, at all, but that's absolutely, you know, it just has really helped me. Um, I feel, feel like human. Better. I feel cleaner and that way I can get in and out of the shower very quickly and, and just go from there. Uh, for a guy, it doesn't matter. Um, I have long hair, so it just, it, it's stupid, but I booked a couple of blowout appointments. And so for any woman listening, I'm telling you, this really, really helps me. It's easier. I feel cleaner done. Um, second thing is make sure that your drawers, your clothing drawers are organized because when you get dressed, it's hard sometimes. And you just want to make sure you can grab something and, and getting dressed is hard because you have to lean down and put something over your leg that doesn't bend. So just being able to expedite that process and having things handy, make sure someone's around to put your sock on. That is the one thing I can't do is put my sock on yet on my right foot, which is my injured foot. That sounds so silly, but we're in the middle of winter and I'm on an ice machine all day pillows. Um, I ordered a couple of pillows that I was told would be great to have to prepare for this surgery. And none of them were quite right for me. So I almost feel like for that, maybe wait a day and see how you feel in terms of how to prop your foot. There's a very special way you have to prop your leg um, when you're sitting down initially. Um, a stretch band is really important for PT. So I've been using that for some of my PT exercises. And um, yeah, I will say as a bonus, I am able to get up and down my stairs pretty easily. I hold onto the banister and just go one leg at a time. I, because I had a cadaver, I don't have another part of my leg that's healing from an injury. So that has made this easier for me to that end for some folks that wouldn't be possible, but I'm very grateful that for me it is. And, um, I would also say, you know, make sure you let people know what you need. So one of the things that I wasn't good at initially was letting people know what I needed because I didn't know. And now I kind of know. So when a friend reached out to me, what do you need that day? I was like, Hey, if you're at Trader Joe's, can you pick this up for me? And that's hard for me. I'm, I'm not someone that likes to rely on people. I hate asking people for help, but this is, um, a tricky time and it's okay to ask. So I would just say if, if you can figure out what you need in advance, good for you. I, I wasn't so good at that, but now I realize that it's okay to ask for help. So that's where I am now. And, um, I'm hopeful by the next time we record, which will be in two weeks, we're going to take next week off for the holidays, um, that I'll have even better news to share. Well, you're amazing. I think you're a rock star. I was telling you my story that I was at the grocery store yesterday and I saw this woman who had a crutch and her foot up on her on her grocery cart, but she was rolling through the grocery store super fast with this huge smile on her face. And the first thing I thought was that's going to be Julie in like the next week or two as soon as she can get as she can get out. So I you you've been um just amazing your, you know, your attitude, your your outlook on this. And you know, it could really crush somebody um to have to go through this. It's it's so hard what you're going through. And just every time I talk to you, you're, you know, 
even when you're having your down days, you're like, but it's going to get better, but it's going to get better. And um, I think like you were saying, just surrounding yourself with positivity from the TV shows you're watching to the books you're reading. I think that's and being in the right mindset. I think that's going to be really, really important. And today's guest that we have um, is sort of a good example of the other end of the spectrum. You're at the very beginning of the journey. And the guest we have today is at the very end of the journey. So I thought for me, it was really encouraging to talk to her to see, um, you know, see that there is a, there is a finish line. There is, you know, there will be improvement. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit, you found her. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you found our guest and and talk about her before we bring her on. Sure. So like anyone who goes through an injury, what do we do first? We Google, we see what other stories are out there about people who have endured the same fate. And through Google, um, I found this woman named Lene Brody. She's amazing. She, There was an article about Lene's ACL journey from her injury. She injured her ACL in a ski accident, which she'll share more about, to becoming a runner as a result of her injury. And it was in People Magazine. And it turns out that Lene is the senior reporter of emerging content for People Magazine. Lene lives in LA and lives the People Magazine life. And she'll share a little bit about that. We didn't get too much into her career, but we did ask some fun questions because we had to know. And uh, she shares her really incredible journey from her injury right before COVID all the way to what she recently achieved this fall. And we just so enjoyed speaking with her and her attitude really was encouraging for me because like anyone who goes through an injury at first, she was devastated, shocked, but then moved through that and and came up with a goal and how she achieved that goal and the milestones and the speed bumps that she um, encountered as a result makes that achievement that much, that much more impressive. So yeah, we're really excited to bring Lene Brody onto the show. And we also linked in our show notes. Uh, she ran, she runs races for team for kids, which is one of the charity arms of the New York Roadrunners. It's an incredible organization. And we wanted to link in our show notes, her, um, her team for kids link. If anyone is um, feeling like they want to make a donation after listening to Lene's story, that would be a great way to honor the work that she's doing. And we also included her Instagram handle. She's got a really fun follow, especially if you're into uh, Bravo Hollywood and all the things. Lene's got a lot of great photos up there of her with all the people she shared with us that she recently moderated a panel at BravoCon. So within this, uh, journey from injury to triumph. There's also a lot of fun tidbits in this interview. So we really appreciated her joining us. Thank you, Lene. And we look forward to staying in touch with Lene and and continuing to learn about all of her future accomplishments because we have no doubt that she is now hooked for life and will be running for the long haul as a result of her injury. So Lisa, before we go, I just wanted to ask you if you could uh, provide to everyone a couple of winter running tips. I know we talk about this a lot, but this weekend in particular on the East Coast, we've got some really rough weather coming. So we wanted to, um, of course, wish everyone a wonderful Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, a happy new year. But before we do, we want everyone to stay safe. So Lisa, why don't you take it away with some of your tips for winter running this week? Yeah, we've we've been pretty lucky, at least in our area where we haven't had too much winter weather yet. I always think every time we get through another week, 
after uh, November where we've got mild weather, I think good, like another one ticked off closer, closer to spring. But like you said, um, and I think this is true all up and down the East Coast this weekend, we're getting a, a polar, like polar vortex and like a nor'easter coming at the same time. So, um, uh, you know, once temperatures drop below freezing and that includes overnight, um, you really have to be careful of, of ice. And, and we're, we're advocates of running outside in pretty much any conditions. We always say there is no such thing as bad weather, only poor gear choices. So make sure you have your good weather, all weather gear. Um, but our, our one caveat or exception to that rule is ice. And um, it, it's tricky, especially when you go like we're going from, you know, the 40s and we're going to drop down to 20s and below with wind chills in the single digits um, where there's going to be refreeze. And a lot of times you can't see that. Um, so, you know, anytime, and especially if you're somebody who has to run before it's light out in the morning or after it gets dark, then you really can't see it. And it's just not every year. I think every year we have a runner or, you know, somebody we know that has a slip and fall on the ice, even if they're trying to be careful. So, um, it's just not worth it. It's okay to miss a run. It's okay to skip a long run for a weekend. Um, you know, it's okay to take something to the treadmill if you have to, if you have that option, that's certainly an option, but don't um, feel like you have to get in a run just because it's on your schedule or it's, you know, what you think you, you know, normally do on a Saturday morning. Um, if you can go later in the, in the day when things start to, um, thaw out a little bit or we can see better. Um, I know um, for me, if I'm going out, I try to stay on neighborhood streets that are generally cleared and might be treated. Um, I, I try to avoid um, sidewalks or paths that tend to have more um, ice accumulation or refreeze. So if you can go on quiet neighborhood streets that are, you know, the streets that are more well-traveled and cleared, just face traffic, obviously, and be careful. Um, and, and then, you know, obviously choosing your gear uh, correctly, the the key is covering your extremities. So having good gloves, we talked about before, we love our, our run mitts, our white paws run mitts um, and hand warmers, uh, keeping your head warm um, and, and just being visible. Um, and oh, neck gaiter too. Neck gaiter, um, that's always helpful. If you can pull it up over your mouth, you can keep your breath, can keep you, keep you warm. Um, but, and like I said, being visible um, uh, in, especially when we have less, less daylight, but um, you have that gear ready, but then always be ready to pivot and just change your, your training plans. Maybe you stay indoors and you do strength or you do mobility or, or something different for there. Take a rest day. Um, the, 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 the roads will always be there just um, for a day when there are better conditions. Anything, anything else you would add? No, just remember that one missed run is a lot better than an entirely missed season as a result of a fall. So yes. Oh, one other thing I would add is that um, the extreme cold weather can affect you and your pace, just like hot weather can. Um, so don't expect that you're going to hit your paces. Make sure you warm up a lot more before, you know, take the first two miles easy. If you normally take the first mile easy, two miles easy, do some dynamic warmups, warm up inside. exercises inside before you leave, maybe if you have a you know, piece of equipment inside, like a bike or a elliptical, hop on that for 15 minutes and just get your muscles warmed up. But just remember that hitting your paces in that type of weather can be just as hard as hitting your paces in the heat. Absolutely. Everyone reacts to different temperatures differently. I know some people run much better in the cold. Some people don't. Don't worry about it. You do you. Run whatever feels like your conversational pace this weekend for those who are out running their long runs. Do not worry about your pace. Just go by feel and, and recognize that it may feel a little harder, even though the temps are cooler. And that's because the temps are so cold that it can really affect your muscles ability to fire. Um, so 
just do the best you can. And uh, in the meantime, we wish everyone a wonderful holiday week. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And uh, Lisa, I will see you sooner than this, but we'll be back on the podcast in two weeks after the holidays. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. And thanks again for all of your good wishes. I, I really, really appreciate it. Have a great week. And one last, one last pitch for our uh, RFF to Boston program group program that starts January 9th. And um, we've got a good group signed up, but it's not too late to sign up on our website. Um, Anyone who's looking for kind of just general guidance on their Boston training and a schedule to follow and resources to tap into um, the group program is kind of a hands-off program, but we, you know, you get the schedule. We do have a monthly or you know regular group calls where we'll have um, experts on and we'll be able to, you know, everyone will have us as resources as coaches. Um, but anyone who's kind of thinking about their Boston training and isn't quite sure of what they're going to do yet, um, check out our Boston group training because that does start January 9th. And we're starting to, um, you know, send out the, the details and information and get everyone signed up on final search for that now. That's right. Thanks for reminder. All right. Yeah. Have a great Bye, week. Julie. Bye. Lene Brody, welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We were really excited when we reached out to you through Instagram after reading your very compelling and incredible journey, and we knew we had to have you on. So without further delay, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and just let us know where you're from and what you do for a living and when you started running? Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. My name is Lene Brody. I'm originally from Scottsdale, Arizona, but I've lived in the West side of Los Angeles now for almost 15 years. Um, I am a reporter for people magazine, which is where you all found me. And I feel like a lot of people, um, and ACL recoverers and survivors have found me. Um, and I started running, really running, uh, during my recovery in between my second and third surgeries back in 2021. Um, I, you know, for anyone who's torn their ACL, you know, that a a part of recovery is you have to get your quad strength back up and they do that by putting you on these fun treadmills called a game ready, which blows you up and you basically are running on gravity. Um, so you're running, but you can't really feel like you're running. They zip you in and all the air puffs you up and it's a nice transition into it. And I decided if I have to do that, I better make it worth my while. Um, I, I tell people that recovering from ACL surgery was the, it is now the second hardest thing that I've done in my life. Number one, being training for the New York marathon, but I've now had to learn how to walk again, not once, not twice, but three times in the last almost three years. So, um, I have a very special soft place in my heart for anyone going through a really rough recovery and injury, because until you go through it, you have no idea what it, what it does to you, not just mentally, but physically. And, you know, we can get into it, but how hand in hand that goes with training for a marathon. Well, that's exactly why we wanted to have you on today. Your, your timing is just impeccable because, um, I stumbled upon you personally because I was looking for people's inspirational ACL recovery journeys myself, because as Lisa and I have talked about previously, I have also had ACL surgery and I am just recovering about a week out from it today. And this conversation is very timely. And um, 
Um, very indulgent for me personally. So thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lene. Um, yeah. But before we get into your ACL and marathon journey, we have to ask you, tell us a little bit about your job at People Magazine and what it's like to be a senior reporter for people. Yeah, I know it's really fun. I cover everything from sports to health and fitness to, you know, I, I do a lot of interviews. Um, I love chatting with people. I love telling stories, you know, um, and I love pouring my passion into it. Like, you know, you may have read Ash and Kutcher fundraise a ton of money to run the New York marathon. And so for me, that was double whammy because I'm interested in fundraising. I was interested in the marathon and he and I had a very insightful, compelling chat that, you know, I then got to talk, not only talk to him about, but turn around and write about it and, um, share that story and get him help with his fundraising efforts, even though he didn't really need my assistance in that department. But, um, so that's really like, I like what I do. I cover red carpets. I go out to events. Um, and you know, what a lot of people don't know is like when you are going through a recovery, you're on crutches, you're sidelined from the red carpets. Um, so that was another really hard part about my job. You know, my injuries spilled into it, all of my life. I found myself very depressed, which I had never been in my life. I found myself not feeling like myself. I found myself angry all the time, um, looking for purpose. And that was when I really, I, I, the night before I tore my ACL, I said to the person that I was seeing at the time, I said, what do you think about signing up for the New York half marathon? I did it over a decade ago. I was 50 pounds heavier. I power walked the whole thing. I don't think I jogged a minute of it. I still finished. Okay. I did like 313. I was pacing like 1336. So like as a power walker, I was pretty good, but he was like, I don't know if my knees could take it. And then it was the next day that I got into a terrible ski accident and completely destroyed my knee. And I never had a knee issue before that. So when that happened, it was kind of like the first thing when I started learning about what an ACL tear was, what that meant for me, what my next year would look like. Um, you know, and then you have to build in COVID, which we didn't know was happening in January, 2020. Um, it was a lot. And, you know, I, I just knew that that accident happened for a reason. And I spent months crying, figuring out why did this happen to me? Like, not to like poor me, but like, why would this happen? Like, there's no good that could come out of this literally no good. I am miserable. I'm depressed. I can't move my butt hurts from sitting. People don't think about that. How do you pee? You cannot use the restroom if you can't bend your leg at 90 degrees. What about that cup of water you want from the kitchen just across the living room? You can't crutch and carry that. Um, you feel handicapped. You feel out of body. You feel so emotionally, physically drained. And like, I would tell my friends that would come over and put up a chair in my bedroom to like visit with me. Like, you know, my butt hurts from sitting so much and I can't wait till I can move my body again. And I just started picturing a finish line and that comment that I made to the person I was seeing at the time and that maybe there was a reason behind all of that. Right. So I went through recovery and I was really having trouble with my extension and, you know, the PT kept saying, maybe you should go get this looked at again. So October, 2020, that's what I did. We did an MRI and, oh, there's a lot of fluid and scar tissue in, in the knee. And this is not, you know, your quote unquote, normal recovery. I was about six months post-op at that time, I think maybe seven. And 
So he's like, I'm going to need to go in and clean it out again. You didn't have proper PT during COVID. I did like all manual. I had someone coming to my parents' backyard. And also if you read my journey, you know, I was living with my parents for four months on top of all that in Arizona. It was very, very depressing as a mid 30 year old. Um, so I had a second scope and I said to him, this was uh, December, 2020. I said, I'd really like to run a half marathon this spring. Like, what do you think? And he was like, I mean, okay. Like, I don't know if you're going to, you know, this is an easy surgery. So, well, it's easier said than done in the recovery process. So I put my all into my recovery and around February, I was like, I still am not feeling like I can extend my leg all the way. Like something's up. So we had another MRI about as I'm training, I started training for half marathon and he goes, well, I think we're going to need to go in there again because all that scar tissue and fluid and everything is like back. And it, I should say I had to push for that third surgery very hard. I, I knew that this was not feeling normal and everyone that I spoke to and every story I read was like, no, you'll get your knee back. You'll get your full range of motion back. So a little over a year later. I went back in for, well, first I ran the half marathon. I, I, we decided I could train, I would go for it. And I, I entered the half marathon lottery because it was my goal to run New York. I love New York so very much. And I didn't get in. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, how did I not get in? Like, God, like, hello, I've worked really hard to try to like, not be depressed and not be sad. Like, help me out here. Throw me a bone. And I didn't get in. And my girlfriend who agreed to do the race with me got in. And it was one of those, like, you know, I hate to like use this analogy, but like I was comparing in my head to like when your girl, you and your girlfriend are trying for a baby at the same time, she's pregnant and you're not like, it just felt very like, okay, like I'm so happy for you, but I'm sad. And my mother had said, well, why don't you fundraise? You can get in that way. And I go, I am no, like this is too much for me. I just, and she goes, well, I did it. You can do it. What is it? A thousand dollars. And so I like, she goes, look at team for kids. You know, they're a, the biggest partner for the, and the New York road runners, look at them up. So I looked them up and I like, was like, okay, like whatever it was. I think I had to raise 13, 13, 10. That makes sense. So I decided to bite the bullet and go for it. And I turned my birthday into a fundraiser and I shamefully reached out to everyone I knew. And by the spring, early spring, cause it was in March, I had the money to fundraise. And so I knew going into the, the race that I was going to need to have surgery again to clean out my knee. But I, I begged my doctor to just like, let me run. I had been diagnosed with this condition called CRPS, chronic regional pain syndrome, arthritis in the knee. I felt like I was in and out of, I was at PT two to three times a week, two hours a day. Um, I was going to Barry's boot camp to supplement in between there to work on my glute strength and my quad strength. And I was limiting my running. I was training. I would run one short run a week, maybe like 30 minutes. And then I would slowly build up to the long runs. Um, so I wasn't on your typical new running training program, but I had to protect my knee and I had a brace and I had pain. And every time I finished, my knee would blow up and I would ice and I would heat. And I, I would just, I never had any time for myself. I was up early, going to bed late, trying to get my work done in between and just drained. I went to New York and my life was changed forever by meeting the people on my charity group at team for kids. I mean, they, 
I can't even stress this enough. If you are looking for a charity to run in New York with, if you, even if you don't live in New York, I, I, I cannot stress this enough how special of a community they are. Um, and they really changed my life. And I know now that that is why this all happened. So I had my, had my third surgery in May of 2022 and right before I had surgery, I reached out to someone I know with the New York Roadrunners and I said, I think I want to run the marathon because when I ran the half, there were two lovely ladies at a part of team for kids who said, if you did a half, you can do a full. And I go, are you crazy? I could barely, I didn't think I could do a half. And she said, trust me, if you did a half, you can do a full and we are here for you. And I was like, okay. You don't know me, but that's cool. I wore the bib. I almost didn't even wear my bib, but like wearing the bib, you earn it. And people are yelling your name in the streets and all of this that again, you don't know until you experience it. And so I was so moved by this experience that I like very secretly was like, let me just like secure a bib. And I said, do I have to accept this now? Like, what if I change my mind? Like, and they're like, no, we'd love to have you back. You know, it's yours. And I was like, wow, well, that's like, coveted beyond coveted like how can I not take this so there's my goal so so just stepping back a minute just to crystallize that you went through a lot um you went through two surgeries prior to running the half marathon and then between after running the half marathon you needed a third surgery that's correct May of 2022 so and the half was March of 22 so you ran a half marathon compromise. There must've been something within you that said, I know I could probably do a marathon because I'm doing all I can with a compromised knee. And if I get the surgery, perhaps it'll be even better. Yeah. I needed a purpose. That's kind of what pushed me during my first two recoveries is like, I needed a purpose. I needed a, I needed my own finish line. And I'd never been so mentally challenged before, you know, I was like healthy, active, but never a runner. Like I'd done five Ks I'd power walked and I just never really got back into fitness and exercise the way that I was starting to find it during my recovery, because you have to, if you really, truly want to get better. And I was rehabbing next to these top athletes, um, at this place called elite Orthosport here in Los Angeles, where people fly in just to be rehabbed. And I have the luxury of walking a half mile down the street and being seen by these people. Right. So I utilized that to my advantage. I never took it for granted. And I walked into my third surgery, purchasing my bib that morning with my team for kids jersey on and my half marathon jacket. And I said, like, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm going to do this come hell or high water. And everyone's like, take it easy. Listen to your body blah, blah, blah. Well, I was back at PT the next day after my third scope. I was like, no, we got it. We're, we're here. And I had a lot of setbacks with my third recovery. I slipped walking and fell down a mountain. And I thought I retore my ACL. My knee blew up. I had never seen it so swollen and I had seen it so swollen. Um, I thought that was the end of it for me. That was July, uh, July 4th, 3rd of 2022. I was back on a, uh, the CPM machine, which if you 
are not familiar with, that's what basically moves your knee. It bends it. You just sit on a movement machine and it just moves your knee. And I was on it four times a day. And then when I wasn't doing that, I was on the ice machine. I was literally being treated as if I had just recovered from it was recovering in the early stages of ACL surgery. And August 1st, I just said to myself, I finally got to walking and I did not tear my ACL. They just told me to keep up with the movement and stay off of it. No, nothing which was really tough for me, but that was a mental challenge. And August 1st, I said, okay, I am just going to run across the street. I have not been cleared to run. I'm going to run across the street. I am just going to try it. And I did it. And I said, okay, I'm now I'm going to run across the next block. And I ran across that block. And then the next day I laced on my shoes and ran five miles. And I had not done that since March of 2022. And then I paid for it and I had the worst ankle pain and Achilles pain. And I thought, again, I'm done for. What was I thinking? And I sat there with my mom who had run with Team for Kids and she's run and she's recovered from ACL surgery. And she's like, I just think you need to revisit this in 23. And I said, nope, I need to give this my all. And you know what? I'm going to buy the insurance. And if I cannot do it, I promise you, I won't do it. If I really physically feel, that's it. And she was trying to talk me out of it. And my dad was trying to talk me out of it. And, you know, everyone under the sun was trying to talk me out of it. But my surgeon and my PT were like, my PT even said, your chances are very slim. I just want to be real with you. I think your chances of crossing the finish line this year are very slim. And I would cry and I'd be alone and I'd be mad. And like, sometimes I'd be in the car and, you know, with somebody and I'd look out the window and I'd see a runner and I just start crying. And, you know, they'd be like, oh, your mood just changed. Like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, you don't get it. Like, you don't understand. Like, that's how what recovery is. Is like one minute you're like, oh my God, I just ran a block. And the next one you're like, but I wanted to run five. Um, so I went and had my ankles looked at. And once the doctor was like, I think you just strained something. It was too much too soon. I was able to like mentally block, like I'm okay. I, a doctor's telling me I'm okay. And I said, that's it. And I laced back up and my PT was like, we're starting small, two miles, no more than two miles. And they know me there that they have to be like, Lene, reel it back in. Don't need to be a beast today. So I, I just started really small mid-August. So what's that? Two and a half months before the marathon. So you're in like, I was stressed. I'm seeing, I'm part of the team for kids, Facebook group. They're on their long runs on Saturdays. I'm six miles behind them. I'm stressed out. How am I going to do this? But like your body remembers and your muscle remembers. And I am just like mentally tough and I can do this. And I just kept that mantra up and my girlfriend kind of helped me build like a mantra, like what's my saying going to be? And it was like, I'm here to, I'm here to perspire why, or I'm here to inspire while I perspire. We kind of came up with that. And I just like put on my team for kids Jersey every Saturday and would go out the door. And it, is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is training for a marathon and quickly. I did not train smart. I trained quickly and I wish I was able to train smart and like have a little more time, but I didn't. And, you know, you read about New York, you hear about New York, the energy, the everything. When I, you know, I, when I t boarded the, the ferry to Staten Island and like the anxiety, right, so we're going to get, we're going to get okay. to New York. Yeah, I know. I'm like, am I jumping too <laughs> So no, no, no. Your story is so inspiring. And we so appreciate you sharing 
all of the, the steps. Um, but just before we get a little bit more into it real quickly, can you just share briefly how you tore your ACL? Cause I don't think sure. um, our listeners quite. Yeah. 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 So it was the end of the ski day in Deer Valley, Utah. And I was like, ah, oh, I had the cookie. Like, you know, I could go right and take the easy route or I could go left and go down a double diamond and up oh, it's three 30. I got time for one or it's three 24. Got time for one run before the ski lift closed. So I said, I'm going to go to the double diamond. I'm a very advanced skier and I never fall, never had an accident, never anything was by myself. My cousin had just left me to go board a flight and I'm about a third of the way down this double diamond. And I cut some ice, some slush end of the day slush and just felt doot, doot, doot. And I, my skis kind of went out a little bit and I heard and felt the loudest pop and painful sensation I've ever felt in my body. And I just fell flat to the ground and I can still picture everything about it to this day. And I've very open about the fact that I have had some very messed up, bad PTSD, spent a lot of money in therapy to try to get over it. And you like, I, I stood up and I fell back down. I couldn't stand. And some, the adrenaline set in and I skied down on one leg to the bottom of the hill. And I got there and I said, I need, I never ask for help. I'm really bad at asking for help. And I said, I need ski patrol. And they said, there's someone right behind you. And they boarded me on the back of the wagon. And I've never felt pain like that in my entire life. And to this day, I can replay every feeling, every word, every tear, every everything from that afternoon. I have a question. Have you gone back to skiing since then? So that's actually something that I was just talking about with my boss the other day, because she unfortunately fell running and I was trying to inspire her. And I said, you know, the first time I had to get back on skis was mentally very tough. It was very emotional. I started in the summer by having lunch at a place where I could look at it. And I just like looked at it and I couldn't look at it all the time, but I kind of like look over there. And then that winter, so six months later, I did get back on skis and it was very scary and very daunting. And ever since I got off the last, and I only went for a couple of days. That's all I could do. And then even now I'm going back in a couple of weeks. I'm still, I've been mentally preparing myself since last ski season to get back up. Wow. Yeah. I can imagine that would, that's, that. I think that would be, you know, that's tough. And same thing, like you said, with runners who, who are injured, you know, whatever, if, if they're run injured during running, we have a lot of runners who are nervous about getting back out there running because they're, you know, nervous about re-injuring. I'm interested to hear, you know, you talked about your PT, your progress through PT and how during COVID um, it wasn't ideal and that led to your second surgery. And then you talked about going for PT where, where you go at the center that you go to. Talk to us a little bit about what you've seen has been successful in PT? Like what has really helped you through PT? Where, where have you seen the biggest improvements? What has been key to your success in your PT journey? Yeah. So I, I, anyone who's been through PT knows like your PT can be your, your PTs, like my PTs have been my therapists. They know everything about me. They know when I'm dealing with stuff in my personal life. They know when I'm dealing with stuff in my professional life. They know when I my knee hurts and I don't want to tell them. They know me inside and out. And I had this one woman um, for almost all of my surgeries. And the day that I had my third surgery, it was her last day of the day before. So I was passed off to a new PT who I had worked with a little bit 
you know, because I like the, I'm very social. I'm friendly. I became a staple at my center. Like all the athletes who would come in, love me. Cause like, you know, it's nice to get somebody fun who like gets the game and gets, they pushed me, um, a lot of football players. So I'd watch them go to training camp. And I'm like, I can do that too. You know? Um, and I think for me, a lot of it, you know, getting them in there and like breaking up my scar tissue always felt good. Cause like, that's something I couldn't do on my own. I worked a lot with booty bands. I know I mentioned berries and soul cycle. Those were huge parts of like on my own because your PTs are what, four or six hours a week. Like you have to do the homework yourself. And I think it was actually what I've told people is running. And my issue has always been scar tissue and getting in my joints. I'm prone to it. I'm not sure why, but I, the running as hard as it was on my joints, it was breaking up the scar tissue and really helping my quad in the long run. Um, which is why I tell people, I'm like, it, my surgeon may have not given me my blessing to do a marathon, but my cardiologist sure did. Um, so I, I think listening to your PT, listening to your body, but also like I've been to PT facilities before where they don't push you hard enough. Um, I think for me, I needed somewhere that was going to push me like where I could cry and let it out. And I could, you know, I, I think it's a huge part of this journey is the emotional releases that you do have along the way. Um, and like I said, I think if you've gone through an injury, I think going to therapy is like a really important part of the whole journey as well. And talking about what happened. And I didn't even know what PTSD really was before this happened to me. Like I did, but it never, I'd never been in that position before. Yeah, that was my other question is you talked about feeling angry and depressed and all the, you know, really, frankly, you know, expected emotions when you have such a, such a significant injury that sidelines you, but how, and you talked about finding, you know, a purpose and having that, that finish line that you work towards and now just touched a little bit upon, upon therapy, but what other, you know, looking back, what other tips would you have for somebody, you know, on the mental side of things of how to get through something like this on the day-to-day basis? Because like, you know, Julie sitting at the beginning of a long recovery, like how do you break that? I mean, it's sort of like a marathon, like you said, there are parallels, but like, how do you break that up when you know that you've got a really long long journey ahead of you and your life does change. You can't do the things that you want to do. How did, how did you deal with that mentally? It was really, really tough. Um, like I said, I think talking to somebody about it, like that's where your PT, if you have a good PT, you connect with because they understand it's really hard when people don't understand and don't get it. And until you walk the walk, you don't get it. Um, I think for me was, it really gave me a new outlook on being able to move my body. We take it for granted. Like I said, you want to go get that water you want to go. And I'm not good at asking for help. So it was really a, a lot of exercises for me that I had never, you know, really put myself through and I would feel sorry for myself. But again, that's why I tried to set a goal. And as I'm sure you're even sitting here now, like you're thinking, you're not thinking about like, oh, what marathon might I sign up for next year? You're not thinking about, and I wouldn't blame you because like, to me, I feel the same way. Like, like I said, I watched the LA marathon happen outside my door and I was crying my eyes out on my friend's shoulder. And she's like, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. And in those moments, you're like, I can't, but when I'm running my marathons now, like that's what I'm picturing is I'm picturing the girl that was like sitting on this machine and in bed and depressed. And 
I'm doing it for her and and those moments. Um, I cried almost my whole plane ride to New York thinking about my journey. Um, there's a really great movie actually that I would recommend to people called Brittany Runs a Marathon. I, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yes, I love it. I related so much to her because here she was five weeks out and she couldn't run the marathon because of her injury. And I was like, oh my God, I would have just died. Um, which is why I had to be so careful. I had to be so careful during training. Um, again, I didn't train smart. I trained the way I needed to, to, to train and I trained fast and, Um, I, I think the biggest message I have for people is have a goal, even if it seems crazy, like a year from now, you know, like I'm a huge Arizona Cardinals fan and their quarterback just tore his ACL. And I read somewhere he's expected to start the season. He'll be back in six to eight months. And I'm like, on what planet? But if that's what he (laughs) needs to tell himself that he's going to be back, you know, he's going to be okay. God bless, go do it. You know, um, that's why they say like, you finish one marathon, people are always like, okay, what's my next, you know? I have a question for you. Um, With respect to your journey in particular, it's particularly harrowing because as we mentioned earlier, you did have to go through two more surgeries. One is plenty and you had to go through two more. And of course, as Lisa pointed out, so much of your physical therapy was through COVID. And as a result, you weren't given the opportunity to have post-op immediate physical therapy in a traditional sense. At what point did you sort of um, reconcile what had happened to you, the unlucky part of the injury coupled with the unlucky part of the injury happening during COVID? And how did you allow yourself the space to sort of mourn that that had happened and then move forward knowing that you still were able to set these goals without feeling a sense of defeat? Yeah. I mean, there were certain things I didn't even know about like BFR blood flow restriction therapy. Um, that to me was like, so therapeutic. I I don't, if people aren't familiar with that, basically what it is, is like a blood pressure cuff around your quad. So they cut off your circulation and then you have to do these like crazy exercises, which are mentally a mind game. And it was always during those moments that it hurt so bad that I would be like, look at how strong, like, you know, you're, you would have never been able, you would have never done this. You would have never been able to do this. Like, what would you be doing right now? Maybe like going for a walk, like, look at how much harder this is. Like you're being tested and you're, you're so strong. You're so strong. Like I did my best to always see the positive. Like I made this connection with my PT. So I tried to be like, oh, I get to go see Christine now, or I go to get to go see Narek now. And they might make me cry because they hurt me, or I might have to do a really hard exercise that is going to make me cry because it just is reminding me how injured I am or what I am going to have to go through again, or, you know, I'm not quote unquote normal, but it's part of my journey. It's part of my mental toughness. Um, if anyone had ever told me I would run a half marathon again or a marathon, I would told them they were absolutely insane. It was just never something that I wanted to do. I'd sought out to do. I just sought out what is harder than learning how to walk three times again. Like what's harder? Can anyone think of anything? Oh, well, I found one thing. I don't think there is anything hard after this. I'm, I'm really at a loss for what's next, but yeah, the co and like in, and COVID like you're coupled with COVID. So like I couldn't do BFR. I had a bike, but you know, I didn't have somebody like kind of pushing me. So I had to push myself. I like had to hold myself accountable and 
I really went into my second and third, third surgery being like, okay, I did more than probably the average Joe. I did everything I could have done because I didn't want to like half pour something into it and like walk away being like, well, maybe if I would have just like not been lazy, like I, the thought of being lazy was, or like not giving my all was just not an option for me. You talked a little bit about, um, you know, being able to cycle and be able to go to Barry's boot camp. What, what were you able to do when you couldn't run? What, you know, what, what activities did you, I mean, we all know as runners, we want that kind of like a adrenaline high of the exercise and you as somebody, you know, even before running was active. So what, what were you able to do and how early were you able to do that? Yeah. So that was tough. I, I actually got on a treadmill between surgeries two and three and I was starting, you know, my PT is like, just try it, see how it goes. So I went to Barry's and I got on the treadmill and like a minute in this, like the, the guy saw me like kind of throw my towel, turn off the machine. And I went into the, um, the waiting area, the lobby. And I just like bawled because I was in so much pain. I couldn't do it. And he came out and he's like, what's your name? And I said, oh, I'm Lene. And he goes, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm fine. I'm just frustrated. I'm upset. I, and I just was like, I tore my ACL and I just had surgery. And he's like, oh, well, I've actually torn my ACL. And I did it when I was training for the Olympics and I couldn't do the Olympics and I couldn't run again like that. And I was like, oh my God, like we were meant to find each other. He's now like my favorite instructor. And I go there, like I take his class at least once a week. So again, like, you know, we try, I tried to find the silver lining and, you know, I think it, it's, it was just, again, let's like, it's just like a mind game. It is so tough. And I would do squats and I'd watch people do burpees. I wasn't cleared to jump. So I would just try to modify by doing like more planks, more ab work, like, oh, you know, more this, more that. And I actually went to Barry's this morning and my girlfriend goes, oh my God, you would never come on leg day before. And now you're good enough to come on leg day. And I'm like, yeah, because you know what? Like they've already told me my knee will never be the same again. We'll probably never be the same again. And that's a very tough pill to swallow. And I've had very tough, tough, tough days, but she was like, look at what you're able to do now that you weren't doing a year from a year ago, you know? So I try to take the small victories, but lots of squatting, lots of band work, lots of hydrants, you know, to this day, it still hurts. If I put like one of those bands on my shoe and do something like, I'm so terrified, like my ACL is going to snap. Um, and mine was ACL and meniscus. I, yeah, mine too. I think think it's really interesting though, what you just said, where, um, they said your knee will never be the same again. Think about the fact that you never were a runner until you hurt your knee. So really you don't have a comparison. You don't have a Lene before your knee running and after it's your injury led you to a completely different sport. Maybe you won't be the same skier, but it doesn't really sound like that's a huge, important part of your life at this point. No. And And like, my yeah, no, I'm sorry. My, my doctor actually said to me the other day, he goes, you're fine. You just ran a marathon. Cause I'm like, it's here. It's achy. It's this it's he's like, there's fluid. It's swollen. I don't think it's ever going to be the same, but guess what? You just ran a marathon and I'm always here for you if something happens. So let's talk about the New York city marathon. And we, we stopped your story at the part where you decided after running the half and then having your third surgery, you needed to set another goal and you registered right before your surgery for the New York city marathon. And again, to raise money 
for Team for Kids, which is just so wonderful that you agreed to do it a second time. So talk to us about your plane ride there. You watched Brittany runs a marathon and got inspired. Talk to us about the marathon, how that felt and how you're doing now. Yeah, well, it felt really hot. I'm sure as most runners studied, it was the hottest marathon. And being a California girl, I met up with a few Team for Kids people about two weeks before out in LA. And we were like, oh my God, we're good because we trained in everything. We trained in, you know, 90 degrees or like whatever. And like, we're good. And because of my job, which, you know, is very time consuming and news never sleeps. And I'm a single mom. I trained to 18. Um, the weekend I should have trained to 20. I, I think had lightly, I got the opportunity to go to moderate a panel at BravoCon in New York city. And I like, of course was like, heck yeah. Um, and I had talked to one of the team for kids training. Wait, wait, wait. I have to interrupt. Which, which panel did you moderate? Vanderpump rules. Oh, oh my God. It was so great. Okay. It was incredible. No, it was an incredible experience. And one of my favorite parts of my job is to, you know, moderate fun panels and go to fun things. And, you know, I was really stressed out though, because I was like, how am I going to train to 20? I have to train to 20. My mom said I have to train to 20. And the coach was like, nope, you've gotten to 18. You're going to be good. (laughs) And she goes, do what you can the, the, like the, when you're there, do what you can. I said, well, but I get back Monday. So Tuesday I, I could do my 20 on Tuesday. She goes, no, you're going to do what you can over the weekend one day. And then you're going to stop. And she's also an ACLer. So I listened to coach Dorothy and I got up that day and I did a beautiful seven mile on the river and I PR'd like, I was like, this is awesome. New York loves me. They are ready for me to run. That's awesome. And it was just such a beautiful moment. I ran into my girlfriend, Mel, who signed up for the half with me that I spoke about earlier. She also was doing the full. She was another one who caught the bug. And she was, we caught, we ran into each other on the path training. Like, what are the odds, right? So like, talk about a full circle moment. And I'm seeing all these people training on three weeks before the marathon. I'm like, or four weeks before this, but I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. So even though I was like, that was mentally messing with me that I like, didn't get to 20. I did my seven. I went and moderated. Everyone's like, you ran seven miles this morning. I'm like, guys, that's nothing. Cause I'm like, that's nothing. It's a warm up. So I, I had to turn back around and go to New York a few weeks later. And I I'm on the, I, you know, I'm with my mom and I'm crying the whole way there on the plane. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, I was having all of the feels like trying to take it in, not get overwhelmed, not get in my head, um, but, and feeling proud. I felt so proud of myself that I did this and my, every bone in my body is hurting, like my hips, my knee, my, I'd also, I, I don't think I share this, but I had a fracture after the half marathon in my left knee that I, I felt a lot of pain in it going into the half, but I didn't want to go to the doctor because I didn't want them telling me that I couldn't run. And when I did go back and get it looked kind at, of fracture, like a, like a stress fracture or a yeah, full, like a hairline kind of fracture. fracture. Okay. So something and, where you had to stop running to let it just heal. And conveniently you were having your surgery so that 
hairline healed as you worked out. However, they would have not recommended me running a half marathon. And I knew that, which is why I avoided them completely. Um, which may have not been smart, but knock on wood, I didn't injure it to the point where it's like, you know, terrible. Um, but they had done an MRI and I guess the, the MRI was so white that it, that the radiologist called my doctor. They made me come in immediately because the white was so everywhere. It looked like I had cancer all over both my legs. That's how bad it, it like I got like a night that nine one one, you need to be seen right away kind of situation. But I was like, what could this be about? You know? Um, and that's when they were like, that's it. You are having sur- the surgery I had to push for was not a push anymore. Like we're going in and they ended up actually getting double the amount of scar tissue and fluid than they did the, the second surgery. So the doctor was really glad that I pushed for it in the long run. But anyway, yeah, so this is, yeah. can I oh, interrupt for a second though? Yeah. So you, this is interesting though. You might not have had the MRI, but for the hairline fracture, that you were Correct. experiencing. And then that hairline fracture ended up expediting your surgery. Yeah. We expedited it. We didn't totally expedite it, but it just got them to be like, okay, you're right. You should probably have this because before it was like to go back in, we're going to aggravate it. And I said, something's not right here. It Like I can get it better. It shouldn't feel this way. I can't fully extend my knee. I want to be able to fully extend my knee. So they quote unquote rotor rooted. <laughs> my knee is, is applicable to any injured runner, which is even with the best doctors and physical therapists, you still have to be your own advocate because you know your body best. And it sounds like you did yes. just that to be that third surgery, which really sounds like it was you were able to turn things around after that surgery. Absolutely. And it was again, thanks to my amazing PT who just really also made me be the one to advocate and use my voice because I do trust my surgeon implicitly. Um, so yeah, so back to the marathon, I, I boarding the plane, I mean, I was so emotional and, you know, New York is like a mover and shaker and you want to walk around everywhere. So I was like, okay, don't go too many places. And we were looking at the weather and everybody was freaking out. Like I'm part of the team for kids, Facebook group. Everybody was freaking out. And I was like, oh my God, everyone, but me, like I'm from the West coast. Like I'm used to this weather. It's going to be fine. And then you know, I got to New York and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. It feels like a sort of like a summer, like a September or like, you know, like California day. Like this is, this is warm and I don't love the heat. That's why I left Arizona. Um, but I was like, the, I'm going to be fine. Like, I'm going to totally be fine. And I went to the expo and, you know, you get to you, you go around and like, I got all emotional and I found my name on the wall and, buying all the stuff. And then I got up to the stand and they said, is this your first time running? I said, it is. And they like ring the bell. We got a first time runner. And I just was like, oh my God. So then on the Friday before the marathon, there's like a welcome, like a world of welcome parade. I forget what they call it, but team for kids gets to lead the parade. And I had signed up to march in the parade with the charity and that was really emotional because you're, you're crossing the finish line. The stands are starting to like really be put up. And I just like, that's when I really lost. It was like walking and like people are cheering for you and and you're having these visions of like, oh my God, like this is actually happening. What did I sign up for? 
Um, and then, you know, I tried to enjoy the, the day before I'm not a pasta eater, but I was like eating pasta and like, you know, being smart and you would run into people in the jackets in the street, like before they had the finisher ones, you know, and, and, oh, you're running or my cousin's running good luck tomorrow. What wave are you in? Like, that's the cool part about these huge races, right? It's like, everyone is there supporting each other, loving each other. And then on race day, I was like, you know, up early. And the thought of starting at 11 is so daunting to me. I, I was in the fourth wave and that's pretty much all the team for kids. People were in wave four. And I was like, oh my God, like, how am I going to start at 11? Like that seems off. And the last I did the rock and roll. Um, I love the rock and roll franchise, by the way, their races are so much fun. Um, and I incorporated that into my training for the half. I did the 10 K, um, in Vegas last year. And it was amazing. It started at four 30 and I still did like a good time and everything, but like I struggled with that 4.30 start. So I was already like, oh, this could be hard. Um, and, and I, I, it was a tough start, um, you know, and like they, they play the New York, New York at the start line and all the anxieties. And I was on the bottom of the Verrazano Bridge. And actually the day before Ashton Kutcher was so nice and invited me and my mom to his charity breakfast. And I had just missed him because I was coming from my charity breakfast, but he made me this like really sweet video. And they actually asked me to post it on my Instagram, which was so sweet. And it was wishing me good luck. And it was in that moment that I was just like, I am so lucky right now that I'm doing this race. I have all these people cheering me on and like a part of this community like this. It was just like so emotional and sentimental and like, how am I so lucky kind of thing. And I started on the bottom of the Verrazano. And I remember coming off that bridge, like right away, I was like, my girlfriend, who's a doctor was meeting me around mile seven. And she's like, it's really hot. Be careful out there. And I was like, okay. But I like checked my time after two miles and I was like dripping at this point. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is a little slower than my usual pace, but like, that's okay. And then once I got into Brooklyn, I was really struggling like mile, like six. Usually I like, once I get to four, okay, we're, we're off. And this, it was a struggle to get to six, like a big struggle. And I was like having the thoughts of like, I might need to call my mom and have her come get me. I don't know if I can do this. It is not, I'm not having fun. By I the way, that, that statement, I might have my mom, my husband, my wife, so many runners, regardless of how they're doing in a marathon, that statement is, is, is comes to top of mind at least, at least once or twice during the race, no matter how well it's going. So that's good to know. Um, I just was feeling really defeated and it, I, I don't know what it was, but like, I put my phone away or I was about to put my phone away and I looked to my left and there was my sorority sister. And I was like, I happened to be taking a picture. Cause everyone said, take your pictures, taking it. And I keep smiling. That was the number one thing they kept telling us. Keep smiling. Even when you are miserable, keep smiling. Like that will help you run faster and better and stronger. And so I did, I was like, Oh my God, I hate my life, but Oh, okay. And I ran into her. And once I saw her it was between six and seven, I gave her a quick hug and then I kept going. And then there was my friend, Kylie a little bit further down the line and she had ice and pretzels and salt packs and everything for me. And she patted me down. And 
And that was like the extra push that I needed to then, you know, and I'd read every article out there. Like I was, you know, studying. I had so many questions being like a journalist, like, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? What should I do here? Which I, like, I was prepared. And then I got to the very quiet, the Hasidic part of Brooklyn. And that's where I put my headphones back in. But it was like everybody, like I had Nene written on my jersey because Lene, I, I, anything could come out. And, you know, I had everyone said like had your name on it and so this time I got into it and I had my name on there and I mean just everyone you got this Nene you got this Nene and I'm filming content but like I'm also trying to keep my phone in my pocket and take it in and once I hit the half marathon mark and I looked down my watch and I was like 258 whoa I should have been here 30 minutes ago what is going on and I'm starting to see people like dropping. Like I saw people, like I saw one of our team for kids members go down and I was like, Oh my God. Like I was trying to get on the Facebook group to alert our team because we had people at every mile starting, I think at 14 or 12 or 14 and they're all tracking you, which like, again, if you are considering like running with team for kids is just incredible because you won't get this treatment anywhere else. And when I got to mile 14, I, I knew I was running my goal in my head was anything with a five in front of it. Like that was it. Just anything with five. And I saw coach, my coach, Dorothy, who told me I could get to 18 and, and call it a day. And she said, you know, you're doing great. And I said, we had a team member go down. I was trying to alert. She goes, we know we got it. We're, you know, we're on it. Like that's the good person in me. And it, I got to say, like, I saw a lot of full medical tents this day. Um, it drizzled a little bit, but not enough. And it was really bad conditions. And we were getting text messages like runners, please slow down. Don't worry about your pace. Um, once I got, and I tried to like, keep it like fun and themey. So like when I was coming off the 59th street bridge, I was like, Oh, let's put on Jay-Z and Alicia Keys. Let's put on some Billy Joel. Let's keep it going. Like whatever I needed. I was like, do I need a, 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 a goo. Do I need a gel? Like I was trying to goo up every, at that point, like after the half marathon mark, like every three miles at bare minimum, you know, not drink too much water. They ran out of cups a few places. So we were like not being COVID friendly and just like, ah, like, you know, the open mouth underneath the, the jug didn't even care. You know, I would take a swig of Gatorade, a swig of water, swish it around, spit it out. Like I read all the horror stories about overhydrating. And, you know, I, I remember at mile, I want to say I ran into my mom and my girlfriend at like mile 17 and my mom was like crying, like, cause she had been there. So she's seeing me do this. And like, you know, my girlfriend and her and, and my girlfriend's mom were like, you are doing so amazing. And in my head, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm so, I'm so behind. Like, this is not where I like, I'm at, this is not going according to quote unquote plan. And then, you know, when I got up to um, the Bronx, I like blasted my JLo and the gospel choirs. And then like finally coming around Fifth Avenue, it was once I think I hit mile 20 and I ran a coworker came out and found me. I'm like, I didn't know you'd be here. So when I came to 20, that's when I was like, all right, like I got to mentally like check. It's just a 10K, just a 10K. And then from there it was like, okay, once I hit that mark, now it's just a 5K. And then I got to mile like 25 in the park and there was, you know, team for kids, coach Dave at mile 25. And he could just must've seen in my face that like, at that point I was like, okay, I'm hungry. For the first time I felt hungry all day. So all I had was like a Bialy and like some goose. And I think I took a quarter of a banana at some point. 
Cause you know, you're not supposed to take food from strangers and people are passing out candy and all this stuff. I'm like, I don't want any of that. I could have died for a soft pretzel that day, but that's fine. So I get to 25 and we have coach Dave. who's like one of the, the main coaches with his bullhorn. That's what he's like known for, I guess. And he goes, I'm going to run with you for a sec. How are you doing? And I go, my knees, and they know about my knees, right? And I was like, my knees are like really barking right now. I think I'm hurt, but I'm going to finish. And he said, okay, it's probably just some tendonitis. You're going to be okay. And he's like, I'm going to run with you for a little bit. And I'm not going to lie to you. The finish line is not right there, but I'm also going to tell you, you're not that far. And he ran probably like, I don't know, somewhere between a quarter and a half mile with me. And, and the photographer caught all of this. So I have these beautiful pictures that I can like put this with. And he's like, and I'm going to let you go now. Cause we got more runners coming in, but like, you've got this. And that is how I finished the race. And when I crossed that finish line, I just remember looking up and being like, like in a movie, like, oh my God, like the lights, the, the name that like, I can still picture it. And, you know, again, one of the great things about running with team for kids is someone comes and collects you at the finish line and you get to like everybody else, they call it the 27 mile race. Cause you got a mile out of the park, but not if you run with team for kids. So they came and got me and I was like, why am I not crying? Why am I not crying? Why am I not crying? And there was one of our other main coaches was right there. Coach Ben, he's like, someone's going to come get you. Someone's coming for you. I was like, okay. And the guy next to me dropped at the finish line. Poor Byron. I only knew his name was Byron because it was on his shirt. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'd seen a woman on a stretcher. And I had a friend who was volunteering in the last medical tent at the finish line. So she had already told me, if you need me, like I'm there, they can radio me. And the girl came and got me. And the second she came to me and said, congratulations, let's go get your medal. I just lost it. And, you know, I got to the tent and like some of my teammates that I connect with one of the women who told me I could run the marathon, she was right behind me about 30 minutes and we met in the tent and I got my feet up and I changed and I found my mom and I had my beer and we went and then I wanted to party. I was like, get me pizza and let's party. And that was my marathon journey. Um, and you know, the next day, congratulations! I, went, I mean, that is just and what what I particularly note about your story um, is that your story about your first marathon is very normal, and the really into the very end was no mention of your knee, which tells yeah. me that you're you are good to go, just as you're just as you were told by your doctor to run that mm -hmm. marathon, and yeah. having pain mile 25 marathon is very common. And the fact that that is when it really hit you, it sounds like is at the very end is just that it's just amazing what happened to you over the two years prior to this marathon and, and your mental and physical ability to achieve this goal that to many, I'm sure doubted you and you didn't doubt yourself, which is just incredible. And so we have to ask you what's next now that you achieve this big goal, there was probably a little bit of a sense of maybe a little sense of emptiness afterwards. Cause you had been looking toward this and then it ended. How did you cope with that? And, and what, what is next for you? Yeah. Well, the post-marathon blues are totally real. And, you know, for me again, too, it's like, I don't live in New York. So all of these wonderful, amazing humans that I befriended along the way. And I was mentoring people on the journey, you know, on the, um, on the ferry 
on the way to Staten Island, I was mentoring people like, oh, you've got to get in with team for kids. Like that's how they got me was people like me. Um, you know, cause there are people out there who just like, oh, here's a charity that'll take me. Like, I don't know any, that was how I got broke, you know, started too. And, and, and I connected with a lot of people on social media that way. So leaving New York, number one was hard because I wish I could run with these wonderful humans every week. Um, so, so there's that. And then, you know, also like you wear the jacket and you board the plane and you see other people wearing the jacket and then it brings out all the feels. And then you get back to LA and you're like, oh my gosh, like now what? So it was Thanksgiving weekend. I was, you know, still, if you asked me the day after the marathon, if I'd run another, I would have said no. But by the Tuesday, I was like, okay, because, you know, I went to my favorite soul cycle instructor in New York. I saw her and we did a, a live ride together and she made me wear my medal. And, you know, she talked about how I was inspiring her that day. And like, it got me all emotional. And I'm like, maybe this is my calling. So Thanksgiving weekend, I'm still recovering. I have numb toes, loose nails. I, you know, I made a commitment to myself. I'm going to stay at 60 to 90 minutes once a week. So I'm ready to go. I decided to go. And I already decided, oh, I'm going to go back to Vegas for the rock and roll half or 10 K. If I get into New York's half again on the lottery, I'll go. If I don't, I won't. So Thanksgiving weekend, I'm home. And a few of my teammates had posted, oh my God, congrats. You're going to London. You know, we're so excited to have you team for kids. And I just like wrote back to my girl, Claudia, I'm going to shout her out specifically. And, and she's the one, one of the two that got me to do the full. And she goes, why don't you join us? And I'm like, what? No, I, I, I was like, I, I'm not recovered my knees. And she's like, yeah, no, why won't you join us? I said, well, my goal was to maybe like do New York again. I need to redo so I can get my time down or like Chicago. She's like, oh, those are in the fall. You could still do those. And, you know, they were each like very gently, like checking in with me. Like, do you have any questions? Have you thought about it? You know, like, like very, uh, like politely recruiting, if you will. And I was having a beer with my cousin as I was like contemplating this and had a conversation with her and, and my lovely coach, Dorothy, who I adore. And my cousin's like, I know you. And if this spot goes, cause it said almost fall, if this spot goes and it's not yours, you are going to kick yourself and regret it. Just press the button. So I am heading to London this April with Team for Kids. I'm one of, I think there's 10 or 12 of us going. I took the last spot to go to London with Team for Kids and I will be crossing the pond as I have my next goal of hitting all of the, all six majors to get that Abbott medal eventually. I can't even believe I'm saying this because my body still hurts and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to train with a lot more time and intention this time. Um, and I will still be going to Vegas and I did get into New York's half. So I'll be doing those as part of my training program. And, uh, we're headed to London on April 25th to, uh, finish my second marathon. That is amazing. You will love London. Um, a question for you. How did your knees feel after the race? You said you're still sore. You're still feeling it. Like, how did they feel? What did your PT say? What did your, you know, what, 
is it just natural, you know, normal expected, you know, after a marathon with, with what you've had before, anything that you would, you know, that they recommend you do differently in training next time, other than maybe training, you know, more, you've got more time. How, how did you feel after? How are your knees after? Yeah. I mean, I still have really like good days and bad days. Um, like Saturday, I, the treadmill kind of makes my knee a little more aggravated than running on like concrete. Um, because again, like I push myself and if at Barry's they're like, okay, eight, Oh, well, that's a lot for someone who has knee issues, but I do it anyways. And maybe I shouldn't, but I, I am bad at that. Um, which is why I think the pavement's better. I can go at my own pace. Um, but I'm feeling good. I'm actually running a lot faster now. And I think a lot of that is maybe because of the cold weather, but also like just mentally being like, okay, like I'm just going to stop at five miles, you know, or whatever. But like, I, I now have this like mini goal, like, you know, running in the nines, like a minute mile, just for now, I don't think I'm going to have marathon pace at that, but now I'm kind of like trying to refocus my goals a little bit. Um, you know, I still have my good days and my bad days with my knee. I try to stretch stretch labs are great. I did a six minute ice bath, ice bath challenge at this place called remedy place. I feel like everyone's got those kind of recovery places. I highly recommend them, the compressions, the everything. Um, I try to make the commitment to myself now that I'm going to do this again, to just be a little gentler, um, during this like non training time. Like I went out Friday night with my friends and drank and didn't worry about what time I was going to get up and work out or like, okay, I'll just run like a mile and a half. If that's what like works for me, because a lot of people don't realize like when you're training, like you're not drinking the night before you're not going out with your friends. You're not staying out until four in the morning. And if you're going for a run, um, it's a big life and time commitment and one that should be taken very seriously. I think when you have the honor of wearing one of these bibs and jerseys, you have to really remember how lucky you are because there are so many people in this world that would do anything to snatch it up. Um, and I have, even the other day I went to a football game. I had on my, my jacket, my finisher jacket, and I had three or four random strangers that just came up to me that said, congratulations. That is awesome. Another guy came up to me. That was the hottest race. Oh my God, I'm heading to Berlin next. Where are you going? Like there is something to be said about this community. And I'm now part of a few different communities. I have the charity community. I have the running community and I have the ACL community. And I've now tried to pivot my purpose into helping others, inspiring others. And I think that's why this whole journey started for me. And it's, you know, I, I have my three-year anniversary coming up, which is always a hard day for me, but I'm looking at it a lot differently now that I have a medal around my neck. Well, congratulations, Lene, Nene. We yeah. um, we knew you would share a very inspiring story, but there were so many things about your story that we did not know. And we just, the fact that you accomplished what you have accomplished in a three-year period and what caused you to set all of these goals was something that could have for many people been a disastrous ending to a, a life of fitness for you. It propelled you into a, becoming a runner and really dedicating your life to a, a new passion, which is combining your sport with charity. And we just really appreciate your perspective. I particularly appreciate your perspective. As I mentioned earlier, I'm just one week out from my surgery and listening to your story. It just brings a lot of um, light to me. And I just really appreciate you sharing it with, with us today. And we hope that our listeners also will 
feel the same way we do after talking with you today. And we just want to add that now that we've spoken to you, you're part of our community too. And we hope that we can stay in touch with you and continue to hear more about your journey along the way. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we just really, really appreciate it. It was great talking with you. Yes. Thank you. And I love when people reach out to me to share their stories, um, who there's a lot of people that need encouragement and I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of. Like, please feel free to reach out to me, DM me on Instagram. You know, I I'm happy to, to chat and be of support to anybody who feels like they need it. Well, we'll definitely include your, your Instagram handle in our show notes, as well as a link to team for kids, for people who are interested in finding out more about that incredible opportunity, because like you said, they are, it is a, an amazing uh, community and um, gives a lot of opportunities to, to participate in a lot of different, different races for a great cause. So we will make sure to include that information, but thank you so much. And we can't wait to hear what else you have in store and how you do building up to London and through London. So please keep in touch with us. And thanks again for joining us. Yes. Thanks, thank Renee. You. Thank Bye. You so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryan. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.